Welcome on in, Eagles fans, to episode 51 of the No Huddle Show, our Philadelphia Eagles podcast right here on NJ.com. I'm Joe Giglio, joined as always by Elliot Shore Parks and Mark Eckel. They cover the Eagles for NJ Advanced Media. They were at Lincoln Financial Field, which has become quite the home field advantage this year. We'll get to that and the victory 21-10 over the Vikings on Sunday afternoon. We're doing this podcast on a Monday. The Eagles move to 4-2, and two, and we have a lot to get to. We're going to get to Elliot and, and your prediction last week and all the Sam Bradford stuff in just a second. But I want to start this week with Mark, because last week, Mark, you talked about you know, we were kind of thinking ahead to this game, and you mentioned the Vikings were your Super Bowl pick, which is still looking like a good pick, 5-1 and one on the season. But you didn't think the Eagles, based on the way they played the week before, had much of a chance. We got uh, tweets about it last night after the game. Has your opinion changed on the Eagles after watching them on Sunday or the Vikings or both, Mark? You go both. first. Both. It changed on both. Um, well, I, when I picked the Vikings to go to the Super Bowl, they st- I, I thought they had I thought they would have Adrian Peterson still. So that there's I'm not I'm not backing off, but they, I did pick them with Adrian Peterson. Um, he's a little he's a little bit of a different runner than Matt Asiato, but that's okay. Um, the Eagles are schizophrenic. I don't know what to make of this team. In all my years, I mean, they they the, the two best teams they played so far, and I mean, based off record and everything else, are the Pittsburgh Steelers and the Minnesota Vikings, and they handled both of them pretty easily. You, I mean, then they lose to the Detroit Lions, a team that I mean, they're they're, they're okay. They're they're I mean, if the Lions are eight and eight, it's probably a pretty good good year for them. And then they got manhandled by the Redskins, who, again, I don't think a whole lot of. So, I, it's it's a crazy team this Eagles. It's, it's, and it's not just the Eagles. It's, the whole league is crazy this year. I mean, uh, pick a team, any team, and you know they're, they're they're up, they're down. They're other than the Patriots, who look like you know the, the clear cut number one team in the league, and the Cleveland Browns, who look like the clear cut number thirty two team in the league. It's pretty crazy this year, and the Eagles are the epitome of of the craziness. The, the thing, hey, hey, the go thing, ahead, Elliot. Well, I was going to say the thing that I, I took away, I guess, from you know, and we'll talk, in, I guess, about specifically the Eagles Vikings more, but just on a larger picture in terms of the Eagles, I think yesterday really showed that this team is going to go as far as our defensive line is going to take them. I mean, if you look at the wins against the Steelers and the Vikings, they've outscored those two teams, uh, uh, I think it was like 54-6 to six in those two games. I mean, they've completely dominated. Vikings scored at the end of the game, though. You might have stopped. Oh, yeah, sorry. That's right. Right, right. Sorry. So it, did, 50- it didn't really matter. It's okay, Ali. Yeah, 54 to whatever. 54 to 13. 10. Right. But so regardless of what the, that, that Vikings touchdown, this Eagles defensive line has dominated against the Steelers and the Vikings, and they played well against the Browns and the Bears. The two games Eagles lost this year, and they didn't, get blown out the two games that they you know barely lost the defensive line was terrible against the Redskins they were terrible against the run they committed bad penalties and against the Lions it was the same thing now the thing I'll say about the Vikings game is the Vikings offensive line and this is what I don't think a lot enough people talked about going into the game is their offensive line is very bad I mean they're missing both their tackles and they played terrible against Eagles part of that is Eagles defensive line is good but you know Looking ahead to if this Eagles team can win consistently and, you know, what to, what to make of them, and I do still think they're a playoff team, the defensive line has to bring it every week. That's what I think we've learned more than anything through these first the Eagles' first six games. If the defensive line plays well and is able to win their matchup versus the opposing offensive line, this Eagles team is going to win a lot more games than they're going to lose. Well, I don't but, think we learned that. Didn't, you didn't know that? But, I mean, 
that was obviously just, I mean, when, when we were doing preseason shows, that was, we always, we said the strength of his team is the defensive line. Right. Well, I guess I shouldn't That's say, a surprise. I guess what I shouldn't say learned is I guess I should say confirmed. It's, yeah, right. Yeah. We, it's what we thought. That's the one thing about this team that we're not surprised good or bad about. It's the defensive line is, is good. I mean, right. it's, they're, they're pretty deep. I mean, Bo Allen, who's a backup, who I've been saying since for a couple of years now, is a pretty good player, played very well yesterday in place of Benny Logan. I don't know. You want Benny Logan back? I'm not. I'm not downplaying Benny Logan at all here. But Bo Allen comes in. You know, he's he's normally the number three guy. He starts. I thought he played a great game and and made one of the key plays of the game on the fourth and one stop. Yeah, I know. I agree. And but the thing that to keep in mind, not just YouTube, I'm saying in general is. The Vikings offensive line is really bad. So the the Eagles defensive line clearly took advantage of a bad unit. I mean, well, you, know, you say that, but I mean, how many times I mean, was Bradford sacked before yesterday? Well, I, I mean, football eight times. He football, was sacked eight times in five games. Right. That's not even two a game. Football Outsiders has him ranked as the worst offensive line unit in the NFL. Just I'm throwing that you, that. That's somebody's opinion. I'm giving you that. Right. He's only sacked eight times in five games. Right, but sacks, sacks doesn't tell the whole story. But, Ooh, I mean, he regardless. got six yesterday. I think, I don't think, I think you're disparaging the Vikings. Yeah, their tackles are two backups, obviously. But I think the Eagles' defensive line played very well. I don't, I'm no, not taking anything away from them by saying the Vikings' line is bad. I'm saying the Eagles' defensive line played very well yesterday. I agree with you, but I guess what I'm thinking on a larger point Going into next week against the Cowboys, we'll talk they about also this. blitzed a lot yesterday. It wasn't just the defensive line. Right. Yeah, no, they did blitz more than normal. But going next week into the game against the Cowboys. That's a good offensive line. Yeah, that's a good offensive line. So we'll see against the Cowboys how good Redskins to see. have a good offensive line, too. The what? The Redskins have a good offensive line. Yeah, and we saw what happened there. Right, I'm just saying. I mean, <laughs> right. So well, you go strength on strength, that's, that's what it's all about. Right. So that, I mean, that'll be the key next week. Obviously. Yeah, and that will be a great matchup. We'll get to the Cowboys game and, and what is at stake next Sunday night. But to look back to yesterday, you guys are both right. I mean, we'll, for regardless of why it happened, the Eagles defensive line and their defense, and we'll start with that, it completely wrecked the game and completely destroyed Sam Bradford, which, you know, everyone was fascinated Shocker. with this matchup. Uh, there you go, Elliot. I, I knew it. I mean, look, this, this game coming in, no matter what you thought about Sam, and some people did, you know, think Sam was a decent quarterback and he just needed to go to a good situation. Some people thought Sam, you know, was a below average quarterback who had always been the same guy no matter where he was. He had played well his first four starts with the Vikings. And then on Sunday, he was not good at all. He was under duress the entire game. Uh, he was hit 19 times in that game yesterday, 19 times, which offensive line or not, that, I mean, he was under siege all day. And Elliot, I mean, he was. Once I start, I thought once he started to get hit, he was just completely rattled. Like I thought he made maybe one good, th- one or one or two really two. good throws there the were, whole game. He was we awesome. counted two. <laughs> two. I mean, this this is the thing about Bradford that I've always said, and people think I hate him, and I think he's the worst quarterback in the Why world. Why would they think that? <laughs> but what what I've always said about Bradford is he's just not a special quarterback, and that's what you saw yesterday. I mean, the, the, it was the perfect juxtaposition the, the two quarterbacks. Carson Wentz, who, I mean, you know, like six games into his career, started off terrible. The off, you know, the Vikings defense was playing well. Wentz was making poor decisions. But in the second half, he played a lot better. He made plays when the team needed him. There was one or two times where it was a bad snap, and he picked it up and turned it into something. He scrambled for, for a big fourth down on, I think it was fourth and two. 
Uh, he scrambled for that two yard, the uh, two point conversion, even though things weren't going right around Wentz yesterday. And he was certainly to blame for some of that. He was able to make things happen and get his team points and get them the win against a better defense than Sam Bradford was facing. Wentz had better protection, but he was facing a better defense. Bradford, once things go bad for Bradford and things aren't perfect in the pocket, he allows them to snowball. I mean, you look at last year against the, the Redskins and the uh, um, the Cardinals at the end of the season. When things start out poorly for him, he can't turn it around. And that's what we saw yesterday. He was abysmal in, in the first half. I think his quarterback rating, you know, I don't think it ever got higher than, than 20 in the first half. And then, yeah, towards the end of the game, in like classic Sam Bradford fashion, he led them for that touchdown at the end when the game didn't really matter. And, you know, he, he padded his stats. But when the game really mattered yesterday, and I'm not, I'm not saying that he got good protection, but when Bradford couldn't get protection, he couldn't do anything. He can't move. He's not good creating when things break down. And that's what you saw yesterday, and that's what I thought the big difference in the game would be, is that Wentz is capable of making plays that Bradford just isn't. So going forward for the Vikings, I know this isn't a, isn't a Vikings podcast, but that's one reason I don't think it's fair to say that the Vikings, this trade is a win-win yet, because the Vikings made this trade to win in the playoffs. They would have probably been close to the playoffs if not made it with Sean Hill just because of how good their defense is. And when you watch Bradford yesterday, and I know this wasn't a big game for the Vikings, but it was a big game for Bradford. I mean, mentally coming back, and he choked. So going forward, I don't think the Vikings, they have still have question marks at quarterback. And yesterday just, just put the cherry on top of what was a great trade by the Eagles to get a first-round pick and potentially even more for Bradford, and to move on to Wentz. Mark, what's, Mark, what stood out to you defensively yesterday? I mean, we, we mentioned earlier they, they blitzed more. I mean, I, yeah. I saw the numbers this morning. The first five games, I guess, for them, six weeks of the season, they blitzed a total of 30 times. That's pro football focuses numbers. They blitzed 11 times yesterday. So basically a third of their blitzes the entire year, uh, they, they did that in yesterday's game. So they blitzed a lot more yeah. than Jim Schwartz is used to. And, and just for me, before you guys each answer who stood out to you or what stood out to you defensively, man, it's just amazing to watch for me how Brandon Graham a few years ago was a bust and was a guy who was just an awful pick considering the guys that went after him. I mean, he isn't just a good player. He's a really good player right now, and, and he just, I mean, he wrecked that football game. Mark, what stood out to you? Well, it was the blitz. Yeah, I mean, getting back, the most important thing was the blitz package. And two things. One, they knew that Sam doesn't handle the blitz well. That's where the knowledge of, and that was talked about all week. Is it is it more important that the Eagles know Sam, or is it more important that Sam knows the Eagles? And there was, there was both, you know, there was give and take on both. I mean, Obviously, Eagles knowing more about Sam mattered more because Eagles won, and Sam was horrific yesterday. Horrific. It's the only word that you can use to to describe his, his performance. I don't want to hear about the offensive line. I don't want to hear about anything. He was terrible. He single-handedly cost his team. To go. I, I would have benched him at halftime and put in Sean Hill and just told Sam, listen, this game's too big for you. You're, you're too emotionally wrapped up in it. Sit down. You'll be back next week against the Bears, but we're going with Sean the second half. Sean doesn't care about the Eagles, and you know he'll treat this as a normal game. Um, but that's me. Um, but the Eagles blitzed a lot because I think they real when you blitz, and this is I'm not this is football oh one, what you know, you're leaving your secondary vulnerable. I think the Eagles felt that their secondary could handle Minnesota's receivers without you know, without having to double anybody or or, or keep guys back to help. They felt that their corners and you know safeties could could handle, you know, Stefan Diggs and Charles Johnson and 
Um, the tight end was the best player, Kyle Rudolph, and they, they thought Bradham could probably do a good job with, with him. So they were able to blitz more. I think in other games they weren't quite as confident that they could if, if they blitzed that the A that the, the quarterback was better against some quarterbacks you don't want to blitz. I mean that, that's asking for, for trouble sometimes. Some quarterbacks pick the blitz up very well. They find a hot receiver, bang, and it turn, it, it could it could rupture in, in into a you know 30, 40 yard pass play. So you have to be careful who you blitz, when you blitz. The Eagles found a perfect team to blitz yesterday. The secondary held up just fine. And they rattled Bradford into mistake after mistake after mistake after mistake after mistake. Yeah, over and over again. And that really was the game right there, just how well the Eagles' defense played. Elliot, who stood out to you that side of the ball? Was it the scheme in general? Was it one player? Because, I mean, they were swarming Bradford and that, and that Vikings offense. Um, I mean, Mark mentioned uh, Brandon Graham, who obviously had no, – What? Joe mentioned Brandon Graham. Oh, sorry. Right. I mean, you guys mentioned Brandon Graham. I mean, who I, I think had – probably his best game of the year, but I'll give credit to Connor Barwin, who, I mean, coming into the game, a lot of people thought he should be benched, and I was one of those people. I think they, I mean, and the snap count yesterday was pretty split between uh, Curry and uh, and um, Barwin, so I do think Barwin did see less. That's how it probably should be. I'm sorry to interrupt. That's yeah, no, I, I, I agree, if not Curry playing more, but I don't think Barwin should be playing more than, uh, than Curry, but regardless, I mean, he, Barwin's a classic example of taking advantage of a bad situation with the Vikings to tackle, but he he was big yesterday. I think he had a, uh, a he forced a fumble once. If I'm not mistaken. Big, but, but he had the, the first one. The, the, the first one. Right. Yeah. After after the, that's right. After the when time. they were at the whatever yard line, they were going in the score. Right. So I mean that you know he played a great game and that was much needed for the Eagles. Um, Rodney McLeod had a really good game. I mean the interception he made in the end zone wasn't the toughest play to make in the world, but he made it. I mean it's a play Malcolm Jenkins sometimes sometimes doesn't make. So credit well, play on that wasn't it wasn't the physical catching the ball it was knowing what and I talked to Rodney about that he they he, he studied and saw when the Vikings lined up in that from the 3-1 formation he said he he said to himself we've I've seen this I know what's going to happen and he said and it happened just as I pictured it so that's that's I like when guys tell me that that's yeah that's a that's a guy doing homework that's a guy knowing what to do I mean anybody anybody in the NFL has the physical ability to make a play i mean or they wouldn't be in the nfl it's the mental aspect that comes into a lot of that that makes a great you know a good player great or average player good and that was a great play by by mcleod knowing what was going to happen and anticipating it being in the right spot making the pick and that might that might have been the play of the game i mean if that's a viking score a touchdown there obviously that's a two-yard line for 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 god's sake and they come away with nothing they go up seven nothing um i mean getting the interception not only keeps them completely off the scoreboard but i think Takes momentum back. Oh, it takes the fans out of the game a little bit if the Vikings right. go up. Yeah, a lot, a lot would have happened. That, that was big. Nah, not the, yeah, I think it was the biggest play of the game. And on that play, I mean, Brandon Graham, uh, you know, gets in Bradford's face and hits his arm as, as it's thrown. And, I mean, based off what McLeod told you, it sounds like it might have been intercepted anyway. But, I mean, you know, Graham getting his face really did impact the throw. So, I mean, the, I think everyone stepped up on, on defense. Even uh, Leotis McKelvin made a play yesterday. So, I think, you know. Playing a bad quarterback with a bad offensive line, there was a lot to. Uh, and the receivers, the Vikings receivers didn't step up yesterday either. They didn't help Sam a whole lot. Not to <laughs> Sam. I'm I was going to say, story, story, Sam, story. I told you during the game, Sam Bradford is single hand. I never, and I never say this. I always believe in the football as a team thing. Bradford was terrible. He, I would have benched him. I would have gone to Sean Hill in the second half. 
He was that bad, and it showed through a lot of that game. So we look at this before we move on to the offense and special teams at Peterson, and now looking at the team moving forward. Six games in, guys. How good is this defense? Elliot, I saw you had a piece up on NJ.com. Fletcher Cox said after the game that he thinks this defense can be the best in the NFL. And even if that feels like some hyperbole, I mean, obviously what he's saying is they can be one of the best and be up there with the best defenses in the NFL. I mean, we've seen it in spurts. We saw one awful game against the Redskins. We saw a bad half against the Lions. We've seen a lot of dominant defense in other moments, like the Steeler game yesterday against the Vikings. Elliot, 10 games left. How good can this defense be right now? Last year at this time when we had this conversation, the Eagles defense wasn't playing quite as good, but they were one of the better units in the league last year at this time. I mean, so starting off good, I know it's a different defensive coordinator, but obviously, but starting off good for this defense isn't anything new. But I just think this year it is slightly more sustainable because I think they're getting better play from the linebackers than they did last year. Um, we've you know already talked about the defensive line and how good they can be. Um, you know, when they signed Rodney McLeod, who we just talked about, but I thought it would be tough for him to play better than Walter Thurman did last year, even though, um, you know, Thurman, Thurman had a really good year. And I think McLeod, though, has been an upgrade there. And I do think he's much better against the run than Thurman was. And that's something I don't think enough people talk about. Uh, Jenkins is having a good year. The cornerbacks are still a problem. But when you play teams that don't have great receivers like the Vikings, then, you know, it it doesn't hurt the Eagles. I mean, Going forward, how good can they be? I think they'll always be a top 10 unit this year. I mean, I, I think they're too high at this point to fall down that far. I mean, I think they're third in points allowed and, or something like that. I mean, they're, they're giving up you know, 14 points a game. So I think this will always gonna, is going to definitely be a top 10 unit this year. And I think there's a very good chance when everything's said and done, they finish as, you know, top five, top six-ish around there. Mark, for you, what are we looking at here? You said to start this show that the Eagles are kind of schizophrenic, which I think that's true. They, they've looked great at times. They had the bad game in Washington. But for the defensive side of the ball, what, what are you seeing? I mean, can this really be one of the better units in the entire NFL? It stays healthy. I mean, they're play, I mean, and if they keep playing, like we like, like how we began the show, the def- it's all on the defensive line. Because a, a great defensive line will, will make your linebackers better, will make your secondary better. It just—it's where it all starts. It's just like an offense. A great offensive line will make a running back look better. Will make a quarterback look better. I mean, it's an old cliche that you win it up front, but that's—that's—that's that's, that's one thing about football that that hasn't changed over the years. So, but, that, but again, the key to this to any team is staying healthy. The Eagles have been very fortunate. Um, they haven't. I mean, they had some minor injuries on on defense, but Benny Logan wasn't minor. He—he's—he's he's a very good player who, who set up. Like, but like I said, Bo Allen came in and played. I don't, I don't. I don't think Benny would have played any better than Bo yesterday. So, um, no, the defense is very good. But the what's being overlooked here, and we haven't brought it up yet, is what is the best in football. And I don't even think any, I don't even know who's second. If anybody's even close, is special teams. This is the best special teams I've ever seen in my life. Well, and, let's bring it up right now. I mean, you went into fit, it, Mark. I, it's, I it's incredible. Harbaugh. I covered every one of John Harbaugh's games as a special teams coach and thought he was, and look, I mean, look, it paid, he became a good head coach from it. And I didn't think I'd ever see or say that, that, that somebody's better than John Harbaugh. Dave Phipps better than John Harbaugh. This guy's unbelievable. 
He's been great. And it was, this is not just this year. It's, it's last year, the year before. The Eagles special teams continues to make plays. I mean, the Huff kick return, we're talking about turning points in that game yesterday or, or a moment where I said, the Eagles really are going to win this game, even though it was ugly and it was you, know, you didn't know where it was going to go after the first quarter. It was Huff's 98-yard kick return. And now there's, there's only been two kick returns for touchdowns in the NFL this season, Elliot. It's the Eagles the last two weeks, Smallwood, Huff. I mean, it, it's a game changer for them. Because- Yo, I don't, I'm not sure if, in the history of football. I, I mean, maybe it happened somewhere. I don't know. Football's been around a long time. But I don't remember ever, not just Eagles, anywhere where two different kick returners <laughs> have brought a kickoff back for a touchdown two straight weeks. Maybe, I mean, I'm sure like Devin Hester brought back a kick twice and, you know, but it's, it's the same guy. So it's Hester. You know, he's just, he's just a great returner maybe. Or Brian Mitchell when he was the Redskins. This is two different guys, so it's not the guy. I mean, give Smallwood and, and Huff credit. They they did it, but I'm, I would have got to the 50, I think, and I can't run a little bit anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, there's like nobody touched him. It was like, it's the scheme. This guy is, this guy is the, spe- he's a special team genius. And this is, this is one thing that when people talk about the, the start that Doug Peterson's got off to as a coach and the Eagles as a team in general – Having a great special teams really makes the job easier on Doug Peterson. I mean, he never has to deal with, you know, big plays. I mean, look look last night in the or, um, Sunday night in the Arizona-Seattle um, game, which was a 6-6 tie. I mean, those blocked field goals, missed field goals. Blocked punt. That, yeah, blocked punt. Things that make it tougher for a team to win in general, but let alone for a head coach to kind of manage a game. Doug Peterson can always be confident that his team's going to, you know, not give up a big kick return that they're probably going to start at at least the 25, if not further, that things aren't going to get blocked. He can always feel confident punting, um, going for long field goals, that type of thing. It makes it a ton easier. First of all, it puts him in better situations where he's very rarely in a situation where it's a tough call that involves the special teams. And second of all, it just it, it allows the team to keep going. And yesterday it was you know one of the bigger reasons they won. So you know, me and Mark were talking about this yesterday. Uh, do we think Dave Thip will end up being, uh, you know, what's his next stop? I don't know. I, I mean, don't know. He's, he's clearly earned a promotion. I don't know what, what it would be just from his personality. He's not a very outgoing guy. But, I mean, hey, if he can okay. coach, he can coach. But, um, yeah, it'll, I mean, but Dave Thip is a huge reason why Doug Peterson's been able to get his coaching career off to a much better start than people thought. I mean, just look, just look at, like, little things even. Like, like Caleb Sturgis, okay? Kind of a journeyman kicker, right? I mean, he was cut by Miami. He was on the street. The Eagles bring him in last year because Parky gets hurt. He has a terrible first game, right? I mean, everybody wanted to cut him after the Redskin game. Now he's good, right? So yeah. this is a good – well, don't don't think that's coincidence. I mean, you don't think Fip has anything, had anything to do with him being good? Of course he did. I mean, Donnie Jones was always a good punter. He was good in Houston. Very, you know, top half of the league. He's one of the best now. I don't think that's a coincidence. This guy, I, I can't say enough about Dave Fipp. I really John Dorenbos can I'm do a magic. That all goes to the ethics. Maybe it's not fit. Maybe Dorenbos makes all this stuff happen out of the air. Yeah. You know what? Whatever it is, it's working because we talked about the kickoff returns. They lead the NFL in average starting field position after kickoffs and opponents' kickoffs. You know, when they kick it off, the opponents are the furthest they back. Kick, they always kick it off in the end zone. I mean, Sturgis, five for five yesterday with touchbacks. The field position game, the big play game, the Eagles special teams are doing it. So the defense was unbelievable on Sunday. on a punt return yesterday. That's right. The Eagles defense was unbelievable. The special teams made plays all over the field. 
And then let's get to the offense, which obviously had a difficult day, especially in the beginning of that game. I don't think anyone was shocked. Uh, you had the best defense in the NFL, or at least statistically, with the Vikings coming in. And, and the Eagles' offense does not have a ton of playmakers everywhere. And we were worried about the offensive line. So that wasn't shocking. But how about the way the game played, played out there? And specifically, I'll say the offensive line. And Elliot, I know you did a video on NJ.com of, of Doug Peterson, the decision to stick with Vitae at right tackle. I mean, look, there was some pressure in the beginning. There was a penalty on Vitae in the beginning. But the, the Vikings led the NFL in sacks coming into this game. They didn't have one yesterday. I mean, Doug Peterson, he got him ready to play, at least well enough to keep Carson Wentz upright. Yeah, and that was a tough decision for Peterson to make. I mean, Vitae obviously was terrible against the Redskins. And it would have been easy to pull him. And I thought that would have been the right decision just because he and, going against him. And do what? Well, anything. Other than Vitae, something can't say anything. Can't put four guys out. Right. There. Well, yeah. I mean, you could have you could have moved Barber out to tackle. Well, you really could. Well, you could though. No, you really could. Why could Barber says I don't want to play right tackle? Well, then I mean, Barber can say whatever he wants. You can. I mean, you're he's an employee of the team. I mean, if the Eagles, okay, if Doug, so you go cover the Phillies. What do you what do you mean? Oh no, I'm saying like you're just saying you're not you know if a guy can't, that says listen, coach, that's not what I want to you know you not you don't want to mess everything up. Right, but I'm saying if there really wasn't any other option other than putting Tobin in it right there. You could all right, well there's another option. You could have that put was the only one. Well, okay, fine. Dylan Gordon. Yeah, well regardless, there were other options in starting Vita. They could have signed somebody. They I mean they're you, you, you they weren't after two days of practice, that would work. Well, but I'm just saying they didn't have to put Vitae out there. Right. He didn't, you're right. Right. They so four man line too. Okay, yeah, correction. Oh yeah. So one of their options could have been a four man line. But whatever the options were, Doug Peterson the public opinion, and I mean, a lot of different people that cover the team thought that benching Vitae would have been the move. I mean, that wouldn't have been signaling his career was over or anything like that. Just that he had a bad game against the Redskins. He didn't look ready, and he, you know, was going against a great defensive line of the Vikings. But Peterson made the right call. I mean, he obviously liked what he saw from Vitae, I guess, in the weekend in practice and just knew the Redskins game was not a fluke, but just maybe a case of this guy playing his first game. Yeah. And it were, what? That's what. It, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, no. I was just saying. I mean, Pete, I just think this was maybe one of the best coaching decisions Peterson's made because it would have been really easy to move on from Vitae, and he didn't do it. And the Eagles' offensive line—they weren't perfect yesterday, but playing the Vikings' defensive line, very few units will be. But Wentz had time. I mean, he got better protection than than Bradford did. So the, the I thought the line played very well. Played well. Yeah. No, they. I, they thought played the, well. I thought the line played one of its best games when you consider everything. When you consider their opponent, yeah, I'm just, I mean, yeah, I was just saying it wasn't a completely perfect game. I well, mean, but never be a perfect game. They're right. not that great of a line, but they played. Let, back to Vitae. Yes, he he struggled in his first ever NFL game. Didn't even dress for a game prior to the Redskin game. That was the mistake they made. The mistake wasn't putting Vitae in. The mistake was he should have dressed if, if he was your next option. And they knew Lane was getting suspended way back in August. So right. if, if in their mind the move was when Lane gets suspended, we're putting Vitae at right tackle, he I would have at least dressed him for the first four what was it, first four games. And then when you're up thirty four to three on Pittsburgh or you're up twenty nine to seven on, on the Bears, put him in for a couple series at right tackle just to get his feet wet, get him out there. His first who, do you ever, not, who do you not dress? I don't care. I mean some uh, Stephen Means. How about that? Terrence Brooks. All right, I mean, take your pick. Uh, well, 
I mean, you like me. I don't know. I just think I see your point overall, but my, I guess what I'm saying is I didn't want I, the kid's first ever, ever putting a uniform on. He has to go out on the road at a pretty loud stadium going against Ryan Kerrigan. I, that's not easy. Yeah, he played poorly, but I don't know how many, I don't know if, if you know, if Jack Conklin, if, if that would have been his first ever game, a first round pick as an offensive tackle, how he would have done in, in, in that situation or, or Ronnie Stanley or anybody for that. I mean, it was a tough, tough spot for the kid. He never even dressed for a game. Now he's out there on, on the road against a very good player. So yeah, he struggled, but there was no reason to give up all of them after one, especially when your, when your, your other options weren't very, weren't very good. If Doug Peterson would have told, would have said to reporters on Monday after the Redskins game, you know, this is the option we're going with. Whatever that option was outside of Vitae, you know, I just don't think Vitae's ready. Well, I, I wrote, I wrote this with the week to, to trust Peterson. He's doing the right thing, sticking with the kid, because I right. thought it was there was no other options. I didn't I think dis- I disagree with no other options, but well, there were, but they weren't better. They weren't better. There was no better option. How about that? But, but. But the well, the only time you've ever seen Vitae, and I know what you're saying, we've not seen Vitae as much right. as Peterson has. Right. So yeah, that's my point. He sees him every day, and he sees the other guys every day too. We've never seen Dylan Gordon. He might don't I don't know what Dylan Gordon is. He's on the team, but Doug does see him every day, and he, in his opinion, and not just Doug, Doug, Frank Reich, Jeff Stoutland. Right. Oh, this is all shared opinion, I think. I mean, I don't know. Doug's Doug comes across as a guy that listens to Yeah, definitely. I think he definitely he listens to his coaches. I think it leads into, guys, I mean, the, the interesting part of the whole thing with me for Peterson is, yeah, that was a debated thing, right? And, and whether it was a better option or not, people tried to come up with you know, something else they could do because of the way Vitae played last week and the Vikings defense coming in, but he stuck with them. And I just feel like the theme playing out a lot this season early on is when Doug Peterson pushes a button, it tends to work. Now, he had a yeah. couple of difficult games in Washington, Detroit, obviously, but for the most part, the buttons have worked here, and and I want to go to the aggressiveness that Doug Peterson shows. I mean, it's amazing. We, we talked about this in week one and two, but Doug Peterson is the aggressive coach that Philadelphia thought Chip Kelly was all those years ago. I mean, I was listening to the press conference after the game, which you guys were at yesterday, and he's just saying, you know, it's basically a no-brainer to go for it on fourth down, to go for the two-point conversion. And he's, he's Ellie, a, <laughs> I find that hilarious. I had you challenge him on that when he said that. I said, Doug, you say it's a no-brainer, but I don't – I mean, I've seen penalties on on extra points several times in my several. I mean, a couple. I mean, once a week around the league. I mean, probably more than that. And very nobody takes the point off and says, "Okay, now we'll go for two. They take it on. They take the penalty on the kickoff and kick it out of the and out of the stadium. I mean, that. So to say it's a no brainer, I thought it was kind of funny, but that's how he thinks. He's just very aggressive, and I love it. So just like you thought he has no brain going into the season, just <laughs> I never <different>. said that. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I know I'm just kidding. But um, no, I mean, Joe, no, he, right, he like, said other coaches that, that I guess he he ripped other coaches for not going for it. I guess. <laughs> but um, no, Joe, you're right. I mean, every decision Peterson's made so far this season has worked out. I mean, unless you want to say the initial re- start to uh, the, the initial call to start Vitae against the Redskins, but even that's proven now to be the right decision. Um. Even in games. I mean, I don't think they've failed on a fourth down conversion all year. Five for five. Five for five, yeah. So Amazing. Five five. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, he makes – I'll be in the press box saying sometimes and say, I, I don't think this is the right call. Oh, you you never want to go for it. No, I, I agree. I think yesterday, I think, especially with how good the the, uh, the, the um, Eagles defense was playing and how bad the Vikings offense was playing, 
I think it was the game was still somewhat in question. I I would have just punted it, pinned them deep, and you know you get it back. I think it was at the end of the first half. We were right where they mm-hmm. went for the thing. Yeah. Um, but I mean, hey, I think he kind of coaches like a player, and I think you know that's one of the advantages of having well, you know, why backup players in sports end up making good coaches is because they are so player and they, and they see the game that way. And I think he's really good at, at reading his team. He's really good at knowing, you know, all right, this is a spot I think we can come through in. And I think he's got a great, he's got really, he really understands the pulse of this team. And you can see that through the first six games. You're right, Elliot, about the player. I think, because players always want to go for it. Right. I mean, 30 years, players always, oh, we should have gone for it on fourth and 37. Nah, we should have, we should have, Done this. Players are always thinking that way. Players never want to give the ball, especially well, offensive players. They they never want to give the ball. They want to go for it, go for it, go for it. Go. And coach, it's usually the, the the coach who's more conservative says, you no, know, no, we're we're going to punt here. I know you want the yeah, my quarterback wanted to go for it, but I said, listen, we're going to punt. We're going to pin him deep. Blah 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 blah. And I, I in thirty years, that's what I've heard ninety percent of the time. I mean, it, you know, this is. He's dare, daring Doug. I mean, he 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 just he, and he's consistent about it. Like now, now I'm not even surprised when he like on fourth down. I'm not. It's not a surprise anymore when he when he decides to go for it. No, you almost expect him to. The two points is... surprised me. I, I got to admit that when, but now it won't it, it won't surprise me again. But no, he's um, he's been daring Doug, and it's worked out. And the Eagles, uh, the aggressiveness that he's he's put forth is really it's showing itself, and it's it's working for the team. All right, let's let's talk about Carson Wentz for a second. We usually lead these podcasts with Wentz this season, at least so far. Uh, yesterday he was more of a secondary story, though he had a nice drive in the second half. I thought to help put the game away, he was three at three on that drive. Overall, the numbers are not great. His worst game, but this was against the best defense he's seen so far. I'll, th- I'll throw this out there. For me, I-, I like his aggressiveness. I like the fact that he trusts his arm and he thinks he could fit the ball into any window. Now he's going to turn the ball over doing that, especially as a rookie. But I, I do like that mentality. Though he- the last couple games, his numbers are nowhere near where they were the first couple games. Elliot, for you, any concern over Wentz maybe hitting a wall or – you know, not being able to play the rest of the season the way you played earlier. No. I mean, I think I saw somebody tweet yesterday during the game that uh, questioning whether Wentz was regressing. And I don't think he's regressing at all. I mean, he hasn't – I mean, he didn't play his best game of the season against the Vikings, but he also played his best defense he's faced all year. And to me, I, I mean, we've had this discussion a ton on this podcast. I put a ton of stock into quarterbacks that just win, win a game. I mean, your, your win-loss record as a quarterback. And I think yesterday showed – why you should still be very optimistic about Wentz if you're an Eagles fan. I mean, things started out poorly. And coming into the NFL, one of the questions about him was coming from a place like North Dakota State, could he, you know, adjust to the the pressures of the NFL and playing to the competition and all the things that come with being a quarterback in the NFL? But he's shown in every single game, he is not rattled. He's not, no moment has been too big for him so far. And against the Vikings yesterday, two interceptions early, and then also that fumble with Sproles, it would have been not easy, but you know, if he would have kind of folded and continued to have a bad game, you could have said at the end, well, look, he's a rookie, this happens, he'll he'll grow out of it. But he didn't. He he continued, he made a number of nice throws in, in the second half. I mean, the touchdown pass to DGB was on the money. I know it was only five yards, but it was it was a nice throw. Um, you know, he ran for that fourth down. There was another play where the ball was snapped to him. Um, and he either dropped it or it was a bad snap, and he picked it up and and, and made something from it. So the Sproles, the Sproles, right? Yeah, who can only catch the ball on broken plays, apparently. But um, no, I mean, 
I mean, Wentz, I still think yesterday, uh, I think I gave him a B- minus for the game on, on, on the report card. I think there was more to like with Wentz yesterday than there was to not like. Um, and I, I disagree completely with anybody that thinks he's regressing or uh, taking a step back. I'll just say you say two things, and I agree with Elliot for the most part on this, but one is regressing is a bad word because what do you I mean regressing? No, he's not regressing, but he set the bar too damn high. That was the problem. He wasn't going to come out and put up 120 rating every week or 115, right. 107. And come on, that was unrealistic. That's like saying, you know, he, you know, he's a rookie. He, he, you know, he's a even even if, even if he wasn't a rookie, you know, Joe Montana didn't put up 120 every week. I mean, you know, you're you're going to have some up and just just the nature of of the game. So he set the bar a little high. So now, any time he he's not at a hundred, oh my god, he he's regressing. He's only had an eighty nine this week. So I mean, no, yeah. So if you want to use the word regressing and say he's not as good as he was when he came out at out of the gate crazy, yeah. Well, okay, fine. Then, he, then he's regress. But yeah, he's he's fine. The other thing is, as all you started to say, pointed out a little bit that he was having a bad game, and to me, to sign like him and Bradford both started off bad. Right. Bradford continued bad and turned into horrible. Wentz started turned, bad. Turned awful, yeah. He turned really bad. Right. Wentz started bad and could have easily done the same and just had a bad game. No. He said he righted himself through his men, mental, whatever it is. He wouldn't let himself have a horrible. He didn't have a good game. I'm not going to, let's not mince words. He didn't have a good game, but he didn't have a horrible game. He started off bad and kept it okay. It didn't, didn't get any worse. And, Actually, like you said, had one good drive at the end, and that's that to me. That shows me something right there that he didn't let a bad game turn into a horrible game. And the other thing is, I don't think there's been. I mean, Mark said this at the beginning of the podcast, and I agree. The Vikings lost that game because of Sam Bradford. Oh yeah, yeah, right. He was terrible. There hasn't been one game this season where you left that game thinking the Eagles can't win if they get the same type of quarterback play they did today. Even in the losses, no, I mean, his, the losses, no, no. Right, I mean, yesterday, the, if they would have lost yesterday, I mean, the way the game started and it was going, it looked like Wentz might have, Wentz, and I wouldn't even have blamed Wentz. I would have said the Vikings defense won the game. Right. Like, if Bradford doesn't, if if that's not Bradford a quarterback for the Vikings yesterday, and they and they score when they get the ball at the two-yard line, and they score again when they get it at the 17-yard line, and, and they go on to win, and the Vikings go on to win that game, I don't know, 17-7 to seven or something, whatever, I don't know. Um we would have, we would have said yeah this was this wasn't a good game by Wentz he looked like a rookie today the Vikings defense he's not ready to beat the top teams yet right right I mean I, and I wouldn't have blamed Wentz I would have gave more credit to Mike Zimmer and the Viking defense coming up with some things that maybe he hadn't seen before and whatever else but that's not what happened so I mean Bradford kind of let Wentz off the hook by being worse <laughs> you know we we've had this discussion and tons of people have it what would this Eagles team look like without Carson Wentz and if they would have kept Wentz on the bench and played Bradford. Well, you saw yesterday exactly what this Eagles team would look like. I mean, a, I mean, the, a lot of the Eagles and Vikings yesterday were very similar in a lot of ways. The only difference was obviously, I mean, the special teams, but it was the quarterback position. And as you know, as Mark said earlier, and I, I've said, Bradford is not a special player, and he doesn't win games. And that was that's what you saw yesterday. I don't know if Wentz is going to be a special player his whole career. I think he will. I mean, I don't know if he's going to be a consistent winner, but we saw that Bradford is not that. And that, that's, to me, why before the season when, they, when the Eagles had Bradford on the team, 
I didn't think they would be, be a playoff team just because he doesn't win games like that yesterday. He he yeah, is. Yeah. If you trade quarterbacks yesterday, if Wentz is quarterback in the Vikings and Bradford's quarterback in the Eagles, the Eagles lose the game. game. The Eagles lose the game. Right. Yep. And there you go. So, I mean, and that to me, you know, the question was about Wentz. Like that's why you should continue to be encouraged about Wentz. And I agree with Mark. Wentz didn't have a a good game yesterday. Like he wasn't. You know, he didn't no, I mean, make great. Give the Vikings but, credit for that, too. Yeah, well, well, but also at the end of the day, it says to me a lot about Wentz and this team that they can still win when their best player, because Carson Wentz is their best player, when Carson Wentz doesn't have his best game. The fact that they can still win shows, A, something about how good Wentz is, they, but B, just how this team is a complete team. They don't always put it all together, but they there's no there's no area on this team that every single week has been a problem. No, it's true. The, the ingredients are there that even if one area is down, the other one can maybe pick it up. I mean, they had four turnovers, and, they, and their number one receiver, Jordan Matthews, only had 10 yards receiving, and they still beat the, an undefeated team by double digits. I mean, that, yeah. that is something. All right, before we look ahead to the Cowboys game, which is going to, it's going to be a fun week with the Cowboys on Sunday Night Football, I want to ask you guys about this because in recent years, the Eagles were not good at home or at least were mediocre at home or you know, did not have a home field advantage. I'll put it that way. So far this season, they're 3-0 and at home, and they've outscored their three, three wins, and the three wins, 84-23 to over the Browns, Steelers, and Vikings. Elliott is home field advantage back at the Lincoln, and if it is, I mean, the Eagles have five more home games to go, including three division home games to end the season. This could be a big story if it is back and if they're really going to be a dominant home team. It's a good question. I mean— I've obviously been at all the home games and they're they're allowed. I mean, the, you know, Eagles fans are certainly. I mean, the games are sold out and they're allowed and all that. But I don't think it's so much being at home. I think the Eagles have just played their best football coincidentally in the games they've been at home. Now, at the end of the season, if they, you know, if they're if they're going into those last month, if they're five and zero at home or you know six and zero, then yeah, I think you can say something. And clearly, having three of the four last games of the season at home all against division opponents could end up being huge. I mean, you'd much rather be at home than on the road, but um, no, I, I don't think it has something to do with being at the, being at the link per se. I think they've just coincidentally played their best games uh, when they've been at home. Mark, what have you noticed about this? I mean, they weren't good at home last few years so far this year, dominant at home. Well, I think they were, weren't they two years ago, pretty good at home or no? Uh, we can were. look it up. I, I just mean over the last, I'd say, three, four, five years, they've been no, a very I, I, average to below average home team. Didn't they lose like a year and a half or something? Like, there was like they a- had that losing Andy. At the end of Andy, they, they were well, losing everywhere, but they had that losing streak, and then Kip started it in 23rd. They, they, but then they, then they turned it around. But I hope you're right, Joe. I hope because even in doing my, my book, I, uh, about the, I talked to guys about the difference of the, of the vet and the link, and – Every former player, every fan, everybody was like, yeah, the, the, the vet was a real home field advantage, and that was a great place to, for us to be home. And the link, not so much. It's more, it's prettier and it's nicer, but it didn't have the same home field advantage. So maybe all these years later, maybe it's starting, starting, to, starting to get one. I don't know. I mean, um, it's always been loud. I mean, I, I don't think, I mean, Eagle fans, it's the same people, basically. I don't, the, the people haven't changed, I don't think. Um so it's always been a loud building when, the, and especially when the team's going well, it can get real loud. Um, I, I, I like to think there's something to, I mean, I always make it sound like it's just a, a coincidence and maybe it is, but I like to think there's something about being home. I mean, that's what home, the home team, that's why in Vegas home team gets three points. I mean, there's a reason for that. 
I mean, it could just be that, you know, whenever Sam Bradford plays at the link. Well, you know, Ben Roethlisberger. Like, <laughs> no, I'm, I'm just kidding. I mean, last, yeah. 1965, so I don't know. There, right. There's something to that. The Steelers have won seven Super Bowls since they last won a, a game in Philly. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's kind of crazy. There's six Super Bowls again. Well, they, if the home, if I mean, oh, if if Joe, if Joe's right, and you know, they do end up being undefeated at home or seven and one or whatever, then they're probably going to win the division because the Unless three they look, really bad on the road. Yeah, if they, well, they've already are there. They, one, they have a lot, yeah. one and two on the road. Yeah, we'll, well see. We will. We got, All right, Sunday night is a road game. Up. Two road, exactly. Two road games, two division road games coming up back to back. It starts this Sunday. Eagles, Cowboys in Dallas. Dak Prescott, Carson Wentz. I mean, this is going to be a marquee matchup. And the winner of this game, just because of the way the division played out on Sunday, Giants have a bye this coming week. The Redskins lost to Detroit. So this means whoever walks off the field uh, with a victory on Sunday night will be in first place in the NFC East. Elliot, there's a lot of time between now and kickoff, but. Your thoughts on this, the initial Eagles-Cowboys matchup of, of 2016? I don't know. I'm having a tough time getting to read on this game. I mean, I was very confident this season. And, and like, I was very confident that they would beat the Vikings. I was really unsure about the Redskins game. I did end up picking the Eagles, but I was really unsure about that game. I was very confident about the Steelers game. So I've had, I feel like I've had a pretty good read on this team going into each game this year. But this one, I'm just – I'm not sure. I mean, I don't think the stage is going to be too big for the Eagles – um, I think they're they're talented enough to beat the Cowboys. I don't think the winner of the game on Sunday you can say is undisputedly better than the other team. Um, I think a lot of it's going to come down to the defensive line of the Eagles. If they're able to beat another good, you know, probably one of the top three units in the league and get after Prescott, then I think the Eagles have a very, very good chance to win this game. Um, obviously, they can't let the Cowboys run the ball. They're going to give it to Ezekiel Elliott a ton. Um, and the Cowboys defense is very good. I mean, then Prescott and Elliott get all the headlines, but Cowboys defense is, has been playing very well this season. So I think this is a really good, evenly matched ga- um, game between two teams. Um, so I, I don't know who I'm going to pick yet. I, I don't have really a strong opinion on it one way no, or the other. It's only Monday. You don't have to pick yet. Right. Come on. I like to make change my pick every day. No, I'm just kidding. You usually do. <laughs> no, you, you hit it last week for Monday. You had, or whatever we recorded it, Tuesday. You had the, uh, you had the Eagles over the Vikings. Yeah, the Eagles over the Vikings September 3rd. Yeah. And I was right. And you were. If, if, Mark, if the Vikings you, trade Bradford to somebody else, he's, he's going to have that game picked, too. <laughs> Bradford will never beat the Eagles. Pick against Bradford. No, I just can't. All right, go ahead, Mark. Let's hear your thoughts on that. I am, I'm not I'm not ready to make it. I mean, I'm, I'm, I have no read on this team, so I don't know. I will Since I've been nice all day, I, I will throw this out there just to get people mad. Chip Kelly never lost in Dallas with the Eagles. He was 3-0. Yeah, the Eagles have won last, five of their last six in Dallas. So they've – under, under, Yeah, in their last three, right. So I'm just saying. He never, <laughs> he never beat him at home, but he never lost to him there. I don't know. I guess if, if I had to pick today – Oh, I feel like I might pick the Cowboys. Keep them in suspense. I know. I'll I'll, I'll have my 10 reasons later in the week as to who I'm going to pick. All right. We will be reading that. Don't don't rush. This is too big a game to to, to, to get. It's a good point. That is right. It's going to be a huge game. Sunday night, Eagles, Cowboys, uh, Sunday night football. Might be a tie. Might be another tie. Well, if we have ties back-to-back weeks, I don't even know what we're supposed to say about that and uh, and the NFL. But next well, Don, yes, ask Donovan, right? He'll give you something on it. Uh, he'll, say, he'll say something one way or the other. All right, so we'll be back next week after the game. The Eagles and Cowboys in Dallas. First place on the line. Doesn't get much bigger than that for the middle of the season. Elliot, as always, thanks for doing this. No problem. Talk to you guys soon. Thanks, Mark. Thank you, Joe.
And thanks to all of you for listening to episode 51 of the No Huddle Show, our Philadelphia Eagles podcast right here on NJ.com. You can subscribe on iTunes, leave us a rating there, and anywhere you listen to podcasts, subscribe and listen to every show. Thanks for listening. We'll be back next week.